Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, a podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. I am your host Julie and each Thursday we are having conversations with guests on different themes and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view and learn in a non-judgmental way. Today is our last episode of the year. But not to worry, we will be back with a great one on the 6th of Jan. This way, we can hopefully all enjoy our Christmas break. But if you have extra time, you can always catch up on previous episodes. In the meantime, please join us on Instagram where I will be active every day at The Bubbling Adventure. Today's episode is for parents with kids that are struggling at school, whether they have a diagnosis or not. Gemma tells us how to support them, communicate and collaborate with the school, follow up with the teachers in an assertive way and deal with the daily stress. This is a very important episode. I don't know if you remember how long a school year felt when you were at school or even a day. It really matters to them. So helping them early can make a huge difference. If you know anyone facing these issues, please share this episode and recommend them to join Gemma's group as it could save them months or years potentially of suffering. As a reminder, we have a website which is thebubblingadventure.com so if you want to see the latest news, transcripts, blog posts, pictures of all the guests, etc., please check it out. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already. You can do this on whatever platform you're using to listen right now and if you have Apple Podcasts please write a review uh, it's truly helpful so thank you so much for your support but without further ado let's begin Hi Gemma, how are you today? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Could you please introduce yourself for the audience? Yes, my name is Gemma. I'm a parent of three boys and I have a years of experience working with children with special needs in schools. But I also have um, the experience of my son really struggling in school. So now I, um, I support parents with that have children that are having struggles at school. Yes, sounds like an amazing thing to do and probably also really life-changing for many families. Um, so could you please tell us a bit more so we understand the situation with your son, you know, 
uh, how did it start? How did it evolve? And, you know, up to the diagnosis part, basically. Yeah. So um, with my son, he was my second born child. And I, I knew from when he started walking that he was, there was something about him. He was um, extremely active child, very willful um, he would have tantrums and, you know, didn't get his own way. He, he just, he was a bit of a handful. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he went to school, um, he started fine nursery time. He was a bit clingy to me and he used to cry when he went into school. But generally in nursery, he was, he was okay because it's very play orientated. However, when he got into infant school, things started to become more challenging for him. At that age, they're expected to sit for longer and to concentrate. And my son, his name is Charlie, he um, he really struggled with this. By the time he got into junior school, so he was kind of eight years old, I that's when I started to get reports back from the teacher quite a lot that he wasn't following rules and he wasn't doing things that he was asked to do he wasn't finishing his work he wasn't able to sit still and to concentrate by the time he was nine his teacher basically wouldn't allow him in the classroom because he was so disruptive to the class he spent a lot of time in a separate room playing computer games and playing with toys and um, I would get phone calls practically every day saying that he wasn't allowed to be in class, he wasn't following the rules. He he was misbehaving, right? He like, was misbehaving, yeah. He was yeah in the class. He wasn't following the rules, following instructions. He was so disruptive of everybody's learning that they would remove him from the classroom. So he would then go to another room with um, a support teacher, which I found out was a lot of kind of game playing and computer time and and things. And I do think there was an element of him deliberate behaviour so that he could be removed from the lesson. But this is something that kind of we realised later on. He, I had phone calls to say he'd locked himself in the toilet, that he tried to escape out of the school. He tried to climb out of a window and it was just getting to the point where every day I was receiving a phone call where he'd done something. The head teacher actually said to me, he's on the verge of being kicked out of the school. We don't know what to do with him. So, right. And um, so, I mean, because obviously at this point, you don't really know what's going on. You, no. you know, you be, like believe the teachers when they're telling you basically that it, yeah. he's misbehaving. So... That must have been a lot of stress for you to just receive all of these calls and be like, okay, what am I doing? How can I? So before uh, you go on with the rest of the story, maybe it would be great to understand how you reacted about it. And, you know, uh, you you probably try to talk to him and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to speak to the teachers. Basically, I felt like I was just being judged for my parenting and that he was just a naughty child he when I had discussions with him he actually used to say to me I'm just naughty aren't I and I used to I mean it broke my heart and I I was frequently in tears when the school called me I was my anxiety levels were through the roof every day waiting for that phone call 
and I, I was working as well. So it, the other element of it was having to explain to work why I have to go home, why I have to pick my son up. For me, it was fear of judgment from everybody, not just the school, but my colleagues, also my friends and family, feeling like all eyes were on me and it must be, you know, role modelling, poor attachment, all these different theories, you know, that make a child naughty. And I did, I took this all on my shoulders. I felt responsible for everything and it broke my heart and I really, really struggled personally with this I didn't know what was going on and nobody seemed to really want to help with it it was like well he's Mm -hmm. just naughty he's not following the rules he can't be here anymore that was as simple as it was there wasn't any kind of look okay let's refer him to this let's try that there wasn't Mm -hmm. any of that in this school that he was at so I approached another local school I did explain the whole situation to them because I actually thought they they were going to say no, but they accepted him into their school and he had a really good two years. The end of his primary school, he had a one-to-one support teacher and although there were no diagnoses, there was nothing in place, he was given a one-to-one support teacher who was amazing with him. She really knew how to get him motivated and inspired. To, and he, he spent every day in the class so this is when my mind started to, to think, okay, so why in that school, his previous school, was mm. he incapable of sitting in class and behaving? Whereas this other school, it's been completely different and he can do work. He did have successes. I'd have phone calls saying, oh, Charlie's done really well today. And for me, there was that, that alarm bell saying, okay, there must be something else. And don't of get me wrong, he wasn't perfect, but... It, it was so much easier. But then my mind was thinking, because I used to work with children in school anyway at that time. So then I started to think, okay, maybe there is something there, something that's mm. underlining that's kind of causing this. And that is when we filled out what they call a, a CAF form. So it went through to lots of different organisations and services in the area. And they basically come together and have a meeting and discuss what kind of support the child needs Mm. and he was also referred to a paediatrician and at that point we were undergoing sort of assessments and appointments and he did in primary school right at the end of primary school he got um, a diagnosis of ADHD which for me was a relief because sorry that's (laughs) my dog making noises Um, (laughs) yes it was a relief that we actually there was something tangible to work with it was something that we could together both myself and the school we could work with Hmm. and understand yeah yeah isn't that that crazy though that many many schools don't even bother like Mm. you know they have a a classroom they're trying to make everyone exactly the same like yes you know and if someone stands out it's like oh no we cannot handle that rather than trying different things and you know trying to see like okay well it's clearly not working how can we you know I don't know and the fact that you saw how different it could be with the second school that it didn't have to be that hard for everyone no it it, 
sorry, my your dog is has a little cold. My dog it. <laughs> okay, yeah, it, it was a pivotal moment um, of realization that you know maybe it's not all my fault, and you know maybe with support things can change. So when Charlie went into secondary school, I actually felt that relief that he had that diagnosis and that he, you know, he might get the support he needs to be successful in secondary school. However, that wasn't really the case. Um, His first year of secondary school, it kind of went back to the old pattern of disruption, of not following instructions. And I did approach the school. I had many meetings with the school and I said, you do know he has ADHD. He was on medication at the time, but things were not amazing. He got into the second year of secondary school and um, I received many phone calls again while I was at work. Um, I had to go and pick him up because they were quite often, if he didn't follow a rule or something, he would be sent home. So then I had to come home. Had like, a phone call do they, how do they expect that works for parents, you know, like when you're working and you have your job also yeah. on the line like that? I think, yes. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, is it really helping the kid if, you know, like the one of the parents is so stressed out to, you know, have to go home and stuff? Like, how is it helping the whole family situation? It's making it worse. Yeah, it was making it worse because... In Charlie's mind, he didn't want to be at school. He, he didn't like it. He was struggling. And so in his mind, it's okay, if I do this, they'll send me home because that's where I want to be. I want to be at home. And this is what I kept trying to communicate to the school. It's like he's doing things to get sent home. He actually went through a phase of putting his fingers down his throat to make himself physically sick so they would send him home if, if nothing else worked. And for me, that was, you know, really telling of how he was feeling in school. To them, he was just a naughty child that's not following the rules. For me, is you know, why is my child feeling so strongly that he has to make himself physically sick it's to come home? Help. It's definitely it, well, Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's the way I looked at it. In the end, um, they, I had a phone call to say that we're permanently excluding him um, and it's a culmination of different events, not one thing. It's basically, we don't want to deal with him, we don't want him here anymore. So he was permanently excluded and that, again, that broke my heart and he was basically, when a child is permanently excluded where I live, they go to what they call it a pupil referral unit and it has a reputation of being like, you know, it's a school for naughty children. So he went from one school to another school, albeit a different type. When he went there, one of the teachers said to me, he doesn't belong here. She said to me, he's not like, you know, the other children. We really don't think that he really should be here. And in this conversation, I, expressed my feelings and said that I do think there is more to it with him other than ADHD and she agreed with me and for the first time she said I you know I 100% agree with you let's see if we can find out what's going on we applied for an educational psychologist to come and visit him and he did a really thorough assessment 
and uh, came to the conclusion that Charlie has severe speech and language delay on top of the ADHD, mm. which obviously made his school, like, like he said, basically he's like two years behind everybody else with learning. So this is every day, he, he said every day, Charlie is fighting with the fact that he's not as good as other children. He can't do the things that they're expecting him to do. So reading, writing, um, mathematics, things like that. He was struggling so much and he may have just felt really insecure, really embarrassed. Of course. So then this behaviour completely distracted everybody or detracted from these issues. And that mm-hmm. was his way of avoiding it. And that makes sense. So because my brother got diagnosed with dyspraxia when he was in primary school, so he got lucky to be diagnosed quite early, We did a bit of research and there was something, you know, to help other kids in the classroom or teachers. Basically, uh, there was this article that was saying that, for example, for my brother, when, you know, you had to copy the exercise and then solve it for him, it would not even like almost be done with copying that all the others were fully done. And writing, for example, was taking so much energy that, for example, in the morning he was able to do it, but in the afternoon he would just, you know, zone out, yeah, look left, look right, oh, there's a fly, like really, really distracted because your mind cannot focus that much. And so they were saying that it's as if, so for example, first exercise, it's going to be as if you're trying to copy and solve an exercise when there's classical music playing very loud. Second exercise, it's hard work, playing very loud. So it's already hard to focus and write and, you know, like copy the blackboard. And yeah, like it's already hard. And then the third exercise is as if it's hard rock, but in Russian or something like that. And that you're copying like Russian letters. Like that's how hard, you know, like, so the first one might be okay, but the second one is worse and the third one. And so by the end of the day, you just like burst because you can see that all the others are doing it without any, you know, it's easy for them. They're not struggling, but like for them, they're always late. They're always the ones like the last ones to give their copy. The handwriting is often not as eligible as the others. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's why for, for my brother, at least, you know, I thought it was a good way to understand what was going on and really be able to explain like oh yeah no it's it's really really tough and once he had the laptop at school it was so much easier for him yes i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner 3 days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me gigi palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, that, I mean, it's so important for, I mean, I don't believe in the label of, you know, some people, it's like, oh, I, you know, they want their child to have something as a label for me it was just when they do have a diagnosis you know what support they need the school will get funded they will get help and it just makes things so much easier and my youngest son Michael because of what happened with Charlie I made sure that when Michael he he had a few academic issues not behavior wise but academic straight away I investigated and luckily in primary school he had a diagnosis of dyslexia and he's in secondary school now he has a laptop he has a support teacher and it is amazing and actually he goes to the same school my Charlie was kicked out of yeah it's kind of it must have been like oh were you like Charlie's <laughs> yeah yes yes a few teachers did say that Um, but there were actually a few teachers that really liked Charlie because he was mm. he was actually a very kind child and very funny. But obviously he did clash with certain teachers um, because his following rules wasn't quite uh, what mm. they expected of him. But yes, yeah, so my youngest is really getting the support he needs. And nice. I believe that is because I was a lot more assertive second time around. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't allow myself to be fobbed off, to be told no. And this is one big piece of advice I give to parents is, yes, you will feel guilt and you will feel responsibility. There's no getting away from that. But mm -hmm. your child is in their care for many hours a day. They have a responsibility and a duty of care too, to support your child and you. You deserve that. So if they try to tell you no or fob you off, then you have every right to go back and say, I want a second opinion or, you know, I want more to happen. Um, and that is, unfortunately, I didn't have that confidence back then. And this is what I really want to encourage yeah. people to work on. But also because we know so much more now. So obviously yeah. it's, you know, it's easier. Uh, so, you know, you did everything you could before. Mm -hmm. And now, obviously, we have like a lot of more people are getting diagnosed early on, which is making huge differences. So, yeah, 
it's uh it's always tough to be like oh i wish i could go back and do things differently but like you did everything that you could before uh but how how is charlie now he he is wonderful and um, he's 21 years old now he went to college for a while because he's very very good with his hands because obviously the academic thing he he never set an exam he didn't mm. get to that point he was educated through a football academy in the end which was amazing for him uh from the age of 15 through to 18 he went to a football academy he did a bit of academic but he did a lot of hands-on uh, kind of football coaching and things because that was his interest he went to college and he learned about plumbing tiling bricklaying all kind of trades he had that for um, a couple of years and yeah he he said to me at the end of co college he said I don't really want to continue this mum I want to go and get a job so I said okay if that's what you want to do you go and find a job so in the March time, so this was January, in March, he found a job and he's been there ever since. And I think it's two, two and a half years he's been in the same job. He works in a warehouse, he operates machinery and he, he has that real sense of achievement and he earns good enough money that he, he rents a flat or shares a flat with his older brother and they both mm. left home, they both work full time and they share a flat together. And uh, considering my, my two sons fought like cat and dog <laughs> throughout their childhood, <laughs> they're actually really close now. Um, my eldest son, who's 24, Sam, he's very supportive of his brother. And he does, ha he does need, because he still has that element of being maybe a little bit behind a 21 year old. So Sam helps him with things like budgeting and mm -hmm. just generally helping him with everyday life tasks. But they have a really lovely relationship and I'm so proud of him, you know, with absolutely no qualifications. He got this job. He's, he's kept it for two and a half years. He earns quite good money. Nice. And, you know, the, the future isn't the one that I expected. Mm. You know, I mean, it went through my head thinking he was going to end up in prison or something. But he is the most, he's very, very sensitive, very, he's actually a very, very shy person. And he does lack confidence still. And I think that is something that over the years has, it, his experience did affect him, his confidence. Um, but you know, he's such a kind hearted person. He's got a lovely group of friends and he's just generally a really nice, really nice person. And I couldn't mm. be more proud. It's amazing, but it's also shaping them, right? Because it's the same. So my brother is now a carpenter and okay. he absolutely loves it. So the fact that he found, you know, his passion so early and now he's working and so he's still uh, half studying because he's only 17. So half studying, half working. And it's going so well. He did many internships. He's only had really, really positive feedback. So it's great because he got to prove himself that yeah. he was capable of doing good things, of having good positive reviews and, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, doing good job. And that even now going to the you know to school half time is still 
too much, but he's still, you know, motivated. At least he has the the job on the side that keeps him motivated. But it's it's pretty crazy, right? To think that they just need to have a shot to prove themselves. Yeah. And that's it. And to prove also obviously everyone else. But it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's once you really find what's working, it's yeah. building confidence and you can see them blossom and you know, yeah, there's still some things for him as well on day to day that you know he still needs uh, my parents help with like especially waking up in the morning but uh, <laughs> but other than, other than that you know I feel like also what helped for my brother is to understand that many many artists and celebrities and stuff like that have mm-hmm. ADHD and so there are some people that you didn't even know have it but for him knowing that they do and that they're successful and they're really artistic and they're good at what they do and because they're more sensitive you know they're better able to work with emotions and actually a lot of people so with ADHD or dyspraxia uh, become uh, therapists because yeah. they are more able to feel the emotions in the room and stuff like that and yes. so I feel like this is something that quite like helped him when he was at the beginning of the of his teenage years to be like okay you know it's not just me a lot of people have it and so people do pretty good things with it so you can use it for the good (laughs) yeah and I do think that you've got children with autism or any kind of neurodiversity it's really important for the parents to realize that you know there is potential there but unfortunately the way schools are designed you're always judged on your academic ability Mm -hmm. And your ability to sit still and listen or to sit and write the answers to a question or to even listen or read a question. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that I think schools need to adapt. They do need to, you know, change the way people are tested. Because sure. <laughs> I, I think, you know, my youngest son, his biggest challenge is his handwriting is illegible. Mm-hmm. So thank goodness he has a laptop now. So he would fail a test because they can't read the answer. Now maybe he would pass a test because he's actually really academically quite bright, but it's not reflected in his test because they can't read his writing. Or when it comes to reading, he can read, but he doesn't always absorb the information from reading. So he can listen to it. If someone reads it to him, he can then listen and that is how he learns mm-hmm. he learns from listening he learns from watching and he learns from doing it's that's his learning style unfortunately you know writing things copying things off the board is is just completely right unhelpful for him it doesn't teach him anything and um reading and writing the answers doesn't help him either and yeah. there are so many different learning styles of course, and I feel it's about time that school starts to adapt to the kids rather than the other, other way around because, yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, when it's classes of 30 pupils mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like they're on a budget and they cannot just be everywhere. It's a lot for, like, yeah. one teacher, even if they have an assistant. But there are some things to put in place, maybe some different groups, some, you know, even just being able to assess that like Mm. ask the kids how they learn 
<laughs> and then maybe have a group like some people are gonna want to like read some people are gonna want to you know listen or do different things I think maybe I don't know but yeah so could you please tell us a little bit more about how you help parents uh, today okay so I have um, a Facebook group and it's uh, called Powerful Parent Project and it's all about empowering parents to fight for the needs of their child that's whether they have a diagnosis or not because I believe that even children you know that are undiagnosed they still need support it's not Mm -hmm. a case of well they don't have a diagnosis so they just have to you know do what everyone else does I think it's even more important that they get support Mm -hmm. and just being a bit more assertive so using the lessons that I've learned by, you know, don't take no for an answer. Try to work collaboratively with the school because there are certain uh, parenting types. Um, you've got the ones that sit back and don't do anything and you've got the parents that may be a little bit too vocal and yeah. quite aggressive. And, you know, that's n- neither way is really helpful for, for your child. It mm-hmm. is to be supportive, collaborative, but at the same time, you know, you have rights. The teach teachers, you know, they're the professional. They're not always 100% right. So having the back of your mind, you know, that you, there are other explanations, there are other ways of doing things, and there are other people you can go to for advice. Um, another thing, there are lots of local organisations that can help that you don't necessarily know about because schools don't tell you. Mm. Nobody told me there was an ADH support group. Uh, nobody told me about there's a family information service local to me. There are things the council run. Nobody told me any of that. So it's actually empowering parents to do a little bit of their own research as well. Um, but also is that um, communication, like really good communication with the school is really important. And, yes, you're going to feel guilty you're going to have those thoughts, but, you know, apportion some of that to the school as well. Let them shoulder some of that for you mm-hmm. um, because it really is a joint effort. Of course. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I try to work with them, building parental, parents' confidence, their own self-esteem. Um, this week I'm running a, a thought detox challenge, which is all about, your thoughts and the way your thoughts affect you um, emotionally and physically. And each day I'll give a a different tip or different something for them to try out. I'm actually a qualified yoga teacher as well. So Mm. I will be instructing some yoga poses for anxiety, breathing exercises, things like meditation uh, for, for parents to try because it can create a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, when your child is struggling in school, particularly when they have behavioural needs as well. And a lot of it, they get that at home as well. So it's, it's a 24-hour thing. It affects children's sleep. It can, it can affect family dynamics and relationships of as course. well. So it's just about empowering them and also to help with their own personal well-being. Um, it's yeah. not just about the children. I think the parents' well-being is really, really important. Of course, because if you're under a lot of stress, because obviously your kid is struggling, which is the most horrible thing to witness, you want to be able to help, you want to be able to understand, 
take some time. And if you're under a lot of stress, it's definitely going to impact the whole household and the other kids. And so it's a bit of like a vicious circle. So of mm-hmm. course, taking care of yourself. Um, also, I know therapy is really good for parents to also deal with all that guilt. And, you know, that's normal to feel guilt, but it's also not your fault. You're doing your best. So yeah, it's amazing what you do. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Uh, is there any last advice that you would like to share? Um, yes, because I, um, I spoke about working collaboratively with the school. I do think it's really important to record conversations. And I don't mean, you know, with your phone recording it. I mean, when you finished having a conversation with somebody, maybe a class teacher or head teacher, whoever, is to straight away make a note of what was discussed, mm-hmm. the time, the date, um, what's been proposed. Because in my experience, these conversations, they happen. And then a couple of days or weeks later, the school have completely forgotten. They've forgotten about you. They've forgotten mm-hmm. about what they, they discussed. They don't always follow through with things and because your child is not the only child in the school and they have a lot of children to think about so I don't blame them but it's really really important to keep track of things and I used to make notes of things I actually used to send an email to the person to say this is you know a summary of what we discussed Um, I expect to hear from you within two weeks if not I will be in touch it's just that gentle reminder. It's also, it's there. It can't be lost. It can't be, you know, exactly. denied. It's there. It's proof. And to keep your own notes on things because it's very easy to forget and lose track of what's going on. That's, yeah, a really good piece of informa- um, advice that I give people. It is. And yeah, even if in your email, you can include like, oh, these were the points that we discussed, yeah. you know, so that you make sure that they have this, as you said, like a note that, is there so obviously because after the conversation they probably go on and live their lives and then they forget so it's really good for the both of you and they can always come back to that email when they're actually thinking about that and remembering all the points and all the support they can provide so really really good piece of advice thank you Gemma (laughs) (laughs) perfect well I really really enjoyed this episode I think it's absolutely valuable So if you at home or anyone you know is struggling or their kids are struggling with school, make sure to share this episode. It could really, really help so much and change, you know, years of suffering and make it into like a more positive thing for for both kids and parents and things like that. So thank you again so much, Gemma, for sharing your experience and giving all the good advice. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know. If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.